There comes a point in all of our lives, many, many points in all, maybe many points in all of our lives when we find ourselves in need of an intercessor, when we find ourselves in need of an intermediary. What is an intercessor? What is an intermediary? Well, that is someone who, um, who represents us and someone who helps us when we are unable to help ourselves, when we are unable to represent. <laughs> Can I help? <laughs> you got it? Um, now that I'm not a musician anymore, I don't have to worry about being plugged in on tails, but other people do. Uh, so what's an intercessor? It's, it's someone who represents us and helps us when we are in a position where we are unable to help ourselves. We all find ourselves in that place at some point or at many points in our lives. I was thinking that sometimes some of us find ourselves in a place where we are, uh, we're, we're, we're over the hill. We're not spring chickens anymore. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we are long in the tooth, where we are chronologically challenged, and maybe we have some type of technology, and we really want this to work for us, and it should be working for us, but no matter how hard we try, this technology isn't working for us. What do we need? What we need is an intercessor. Maybe our children, maybe our grandchildren, in order to help us intercede for us and help us in our time of need. Uh, For me, I need an intercessor when it comes to my vehicle. There's a light on and the light's not turning off. What is going on? I cannot help myself. There's a sound, a weird sound. What's happening? I can't get this bad sound to stop. I need an intercessor. I've got a new best friend named Joel, who is my intercessor, who helps with my vehicle. On a more serious note, when I was uh, in high school, I've told this story before, I won't tell it again, but um, I found myself uh, during my summer job in a situation where uh, an accident happened and there were a couple of fatalities. And because I was there when this happened, I was named in the subsequent lawsuit. So one day I found myself, uh, uh, how old would I have been? Uh, I think 17 years old, found myself um, in a courtroom in front of a judge, kind of stunned by the whole thing. What is going on? And what I needed was someone who was versed in the law. I needed an intercessor who could speak to the judge on my behalf. At some point, we all need an intermediary. At some point, we all need an intercessor. Now, for the ancient Hebrew people, the most significant, the most important intercessor was the priest. Now, it's hard to overstate just how important priests were in the life of the ancient Hebrews because not only did the, the religious uh, you know, did their religion kind of govern many aspects of daily life, the priests were more than just religious officials, I guess. So priests were incredibly, incredibly important in the life of the ancient Hebrews. And we're into this section in the book of Hebrews that we are working our way through right now. It's actually an extended section that talks about Jesus being a better priest. So if you have your copy of God's Word, would love for you to open it up to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 is where we're going to start. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 is where we are going to begin. 
Now, as you're turning there, some of us, if you were raised in a, a, a church like I was, the type of church that I was raised in, a, talking about a priest doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, it's just not part of the vocabulary that I was raised with. But if you were raised in a different uh, stream of Christianity or if you were raised in a different religion, talking about a priest might make a whole lot more sense to you than it, it does to me. In either case, wherever you are at on that, welcome. Glad that you are here, and we are going to talk for the next little while about priests. So starting in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1, here's what it says. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He's able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray. Why? Well, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God just as Aaron was. Now, in the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. He didn't take that on himself. <clears throat> Pardon me. But God said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, there are a couple of key points that we are going to glean from these verses, and I say a couple of key points because these are verses that, I don't know about you, but you can, I, I can read them over and over and over and sort of find myself like, wait, what, the, what did that just say? What, <laughs> what am I supposed to take away from that? Well, we're gonna glean a couple of important things. The first thing that we need to note is that the high priest, or really any priest, did not get to be a priest just because they wanted to or just because they were skilled at it, or just because they were ambitious, or just because they were charismatic. Okay, they didn't get to just be a priest just because they wanted to. This was not something that uh, someone could not get to be a priest because of a skill set. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A priest was appointed by God. Look at verse one again. <clears throat> It says, every high priest is selected, some of your translations say. Some of your translations will say chosen. So every high priest is selected or chosen from among the people. Now, I acknowledge in myself, when I read this, I, the way I hear it in my mind is, oh, okay, these people are, they're selected from among the people. This must be a very democratic process. There must be some sort of election and the people will elect <clears throat> pardon me, someone else from the people in order to be a priest. But that's not how this goes. The people did not elect a priest. That would have been the farthest thing from their minds. Who gets to choose who the priests are? Look at verse four. No one takes this honor on himself, but receives it when called by who? God, just as Aaron was. Now, Aaron was the brother of Moses, Remember the story, God led the children of Israel out of their captivity in Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land and he used a guy named Moses. Now, Aaron was Moses' brother. It didn't go like this. 
Uh, it didn't go that Aaron said, oh, well, here's my brother Moses. He's the leader of the people. I gotta have some kind of job. What kind of job could I have? What could I do? I could, uh, oh, I could be a priest. That's not how it came about. God selected him. God appointed him to be the priest. In fact, the first high priest. Why is it important for us to remember and why do I keep reiterating that God is the one who gets to appoint this? Well, for a very simple reason. The reason is we don't like that anyone else could appoint us to some type of position. We don't like that. Um, we have what I would uh, call a rampant individualism in our culture. And there's a lot of really good things that come from the individualistic mindset that we have, but not when it comes to God. We think we can do whatever we want if we put our mind to it. We think that no opportunity should be closed to any person, but it doesn't work that way with God. Now, God is no respecter of persons. In fact, one of the things that God loves to do is God loves to take someone who none of the rest of us would ever pick and use them in really, really powerful ways. And he also loves to take the, the guy that has it, you know, he, he has, he's got the it factor, she has the it factor, and we would all pick that person, oh, God's totally gonna use this person, and if they don't have a heart for God, he humbles them, and he has no problem doing that. God is no respecter of persons. Because we live in his world, he gets to a point. He gets to dictate, and we don't get to squawk about it. Now, there's many examples from the scripture uh, about people who did not like what God had appointed different people to do, and they squawked about it, and it never goes well for them. Just a couple of quick examples. I was reading in my, uh, my personal devotions this week about the wilderness generation. We've been talking about them over the past month or so, or however long it's been here at Blue Water. Uh, God led them out of Egypt, we just mentioned this, uh, with power through the wilderness and, and miraculously cared for them and, and provided for them every step of the way. Every time they needed something, he came through for them. Every time there was a battle, he helped them win the battle. All the way through the wilderness to the promised land, and they're at the border of the promised land, and God's like, take the promised land, and they said, no. They said, we're scared. We don't want to do this, and, and God said, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna turn around, we're gonna go back to the wilderness, we're gonna wander around the wilderness for 40 years, every single adult is going to die in the wilderness, not one of you, except for two people, Joshua and Caleb, are going to set foot in the promised land, your children are going to take the promised land, and the people didn't like that. They said, okay, well, in that case, let's go up and take the promised land, and Moses said no. Guys, God's not going with you. The people went up anyway. They didn't like God's appointed leader. They went up anyway. It didn't go with Moses, didn't go with the Ark of the Covenant. Decided to try and take the land for themselves and they got routed. Another quick example, you remember King Saul, the first king of Israel. Uh, he was getting ready to bring the people into this great battle and they were waiting for the prophet to come and offer a sacrifice before they went into the battle and they waited and they waited. I think, if I remember right, they waited for a week and the guy never showed up and so Saul finally said, all right, 
I'm gonna offer the sacrifice. Even though God appointed me to be king, God did not appoint me to be able to, to offer these sacrifices. I'm going to offer the sacrifice so we can go into this battle. And because Saul did not have a heart that was right before God, because he didn't uh, stay in the, the place where God had appointed him and tried to intrude into the role that God had appointed someone else for, God took the kingdom away from him and gave it to King David. We could go on with other examples. What do we need to remember? We live in God's world, and because we live in God's world, he gets to appoint who he wants for what role, and we don't get to squawk about it. The problem is that we really don't like that. That strikes us, kind of hits us sideways, and the reason that I know it seems unfair to you is because even as I'm saying it, it kind of seems unfair to me. Uh, and we catechize ourselves in, in this individualism. <laughs> we do this all the time. I was thinking, I, I'm not sure how long ago this would have been, um, was it four or five years ago, that the thing that was on repeat on every television station, uh, te television of uh, people who had uh, younger children was a Disney movie, an animated Disney movie, with uh, two princesses. You know what I'm talking about? It's a movie that starts with F and ends with Rosen, right? I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but some of us, we just got so tired of that movie being on repeat and repeat and the, the, the catchy song that makes me wanna gouge my ears out now because it was on repeat on my house for so long. It's such a catchy song, but remember the, the kind of the crescendo, the biggest part of the song at the bridge, the main character's talking about how she's gonna push through every, every limit that's put in front of her and the crescendo of the song says, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. And that might work really well in a fairyland, but when you live in God's world, it doesn't work like that. God's the one who's free. God's the one who gets to a point. And by the way, before we get too far down the road of get off my lawn, old person, um, it was actually an older generation. How, how did that Sinatra song go? Um, at the end of the day, I did it... Mm. So maybe we've been catechizing ourselves in this rampant individualism for a lot longer than just the current generation. I, I, I wrote down, to quote the great theologian Johnny Cash, God's gonna cut you down. It's God's world. As I say, there's a lot of good things that come from individualism and an individualistic spirit, um, but, but we need to be careful because we need to let God be God. And when we don't, we end up in some really bad places. Uh, like, for example, not being able to say what's true about basic biology without being canceled. <laughs> that is the fruit of rampant individualism. So, the first key point that we can glean from our text is that high priests, really any priests, are appointed by who? God. By God. They're not appointed by the people, they're appointed by who? God. God, they're appointed by God. Now, quickly, the second thing that we can glean is that Jesus is our great high priest and our great high priest had to be a human so that he could deal gently with us. <clears throat> Pardon me. Now, we won't say as much 
as we might normally say about this from the text because both the catechism last week and the sermon last week talked an awful lot about this, so we won't take the time to review. You can go back and listen to that if you would like to. Just remember that in order to be our great high priest, Jesus had to be human so that he could sympathize with us, so that he could deal gently with us, and he had to be God so that he could pay our debt. The only way that works itself out is if the Messiah is, well, we talked about it a little bit earlier, has a hypostatic union, if he has two natures, if he is both human and God. Only God could satisfy the requirements of a holy God, and only a human could sympathize with our weakness and deal gently with us. So what does this mean? What it means is that Jesus is the perfect intermediary. He's the perfect intermediary. He's appointed by God and he's able to sympathize with us. But the thing is, when we fight for our own place, when we fight for our own individualism, when we uh, insist that there's no right or wrong or rules for me, when we insist on doing it my way, what we're actually doing is we're looking at God and saying, God, I don't need you. I don't need anyone to, to intercede between me and you. I've got this. Imagine people as broken and as frail as us looking at God and saying, no, 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 God, I've got this. Imagine. We can do that for only so long. But at some point, we get to the end of our rope. At some point, all of our effort is not enough. At some point, all of our success doesn't prove worthwhile in the things that really, really matter. At some point, we get to the end of it. And the only place we can turn is to the perfect intercessor, the perfect one who is both God and human, two natures residing in one, the perfect intercessor. By the way, we don't have to wait till we get to the end of our rope to turn to him. As a matter of fact, if we turn to him early, that often keeps us from getting to the end of our rope. Can I get an amen from that? (laughs) If you know that, uh, if you know what I'm talking about, you know it well. Have you trusted Jesus? Have you believed in him to be your perfect mediator? your perfect intercessor between you and God. As we start to land the plane this morning, uh, we need to make an observation that we will then, um, from, from the text, that we're gonna actually flesh out more next week. So look at verse five and six. And by the way, we're gonna look at this next week in the catechism and in the sermon. So look at verse five. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now that's a fun name. If you're looking for a name for a baby, I think Melchizedek would be a good one. Um, And we're gonna talk in coming weeks about this guy, Melchizedek. Really fascinating study. Really fascinating study. Uh, Really looking forward to getting into that. Uh, But 
The thing we need to remember is that the writer of Hebrews all the time goes back to the Old Testament and, and quotes from the Old Testament in order to prove the points, to demonstrate the points he's trying to make. Now look at verse five. Look at the quotation there. You can see in most of your translations there will be a little, an indented section. And often there will be a little footnote that will refer you back to the Old Testament. And in verse five, you'll note that he's quoting from Psalm chapter two. Now for the ancient Hebrews, they would have heard that. They knew the Old Testament way better than we do. They would have heard this quotation, immediately connected it to Psalm two. And the thing about Psalm two, Psalm two is about the king. And they would have been like, wait a second, we're talking about a priest, but he just quoted from Psalm chapter two, which is talking about a king, and then uh, the, the king of Israel, and then bouncing down to chapter, or not chapter, to verse six, the next verse in Hebrews, he's then quoting another verse that's talking about the priest again. And this would have been incredibly confusing for, those, for the original audience of this letter. Because the writer of Hebrews is talking about the coming king, or the, the, I guess the king who came, the Messiah, and the great high priest, but he's talking about them as if they're one person. And this would have been remarkably confusing for them for this very simple reason. Uh, the king came from one certain family, and the high priest came from another certain family. So the king uh, was a descendant of David, and David was, does anybody remember what, uh, which one of the tribes David came from? Judah. Judah, yeah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? So he came from Judah. The priests were actually descended from a guy named uh, Aaron, who we've already talked about, does anybody remember what tribe Aaron came from? Levi. So how can someone be both the king and the priest? Uh, kind of whet your appetite for that. I'm really excited next week to describe how that actually works itself out in one person. They would have been tremendously, tremendously confused by that. But the point being that we can take home is that, that Jesus works itself, that all works itself out in Jesus because he is over everything, okay? So Jesus is over everything. So as we close this morning, just want to remind you that sometimes we all need an intercessor. Sometimes we all need an intercessor. Are you willing to make Jesus yours? We can work hard to do things our own way. We can hard to white knuckle it, work hard to white knuckle it and keep our life together by the strength of our own hands. We can do that. But at the end of the day, it's never enough. At the end of the day, we are always, always finding ourselves in need. Here's my encouragement to you. You can make this decision today to turn away from your old way of living, from your own version of white-knuckling it and making this happen on my own and turn in faith to Christ because we live in God's world and Christ is the appointed intercessor that God has chosen that would make us right with God. We can turn away from our old way of living. We can turn to Jesus in faith and believe in him. That makes a difference not only in this life, but for all eternity. Why? Because Jesus is over everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love for us.
Thank you that you express that in sending your son Jesus to be our perfect intercessor, the, the perfect one appointed by you, able to sympathize with our weakness and treat us gently. I pray that you would help us to live by faith in him. Pray that you would help us to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. It's to him that we give all glory, both now and forever. Amen.